Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Luke 19, Luke 19 verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Someone say Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy and he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Someone say, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every man, every woman, every family represented, every generation represented within the sound of my voice right now. Holy Spirit, I need You. Your people need You. Clothe us with Your grace. Clothe us with Your wisdom. Let the armour of God be all over us. Let love and wisdom and power be all over us. Heavenly Father, I thank You in these moments that You speak to people and guide people. Your Word says through the foolishness of preaching, God has chosen to save the lost. Lord, reach people who don't yet know You. Draw people back to the house. Let the grass be green. Let the oil be fresh in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name. Why don't you pray this simple prayer? Say, Jesus, thank you for your incredible grace. I ask you for the grace and the power to be all I'm meant to be. Wherever I go, anoint me to be a blessing. Help me know you, know your word, and fulfill my potential. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on. Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, you're doing good. Slap the person next to you. Tell them you're good looking and people like you. Someone say, this is our faith. Say, this is our faith. I'm in week three of a series entitled, This Is Our Faith, and I've been diving into some very foundational teachings. Who is the Father? Who is the Son? Who is the Holy Spirit? And we've been talking about Jesus and that He is light. Someone say light. How many know you can't do anything without light? He is light and He is life. He is the Word in the beginning. He is not just some nice teacher we've been discovering, but He is literally the resurrection and the life. He is the eternal life giver. And I have felt very convinced and convicted in my own self 
to teach along this line because I felt that there is many times uh, I found as I've watched culture and I've watched Christians for many years now, sometimes, to be honest, our, our faith is a little bit flaky. Ever met someone with a flaky faith? Don't look at them if they're right next to you. But God wants it strong. Someone say strong. And God wants you founded on the truth. God wants you free in your own soul. But that takes often a moment, but it often takes a journey really of a lifetime. And we never quite arrive, do we? Longer I'm a Christian. I'm, I've been a Christian a while now. Paul Palmer, you've been a Christian a while now. And you're still not perfect. And I'm still not perfect. Your wife probably is, but uh, amen. Someone say reconcile. Our faith is a reconciling faith. Our faith is a redemptive faith. Someone say redemption. It means to purchase back. Our faith is a restorative faith. Someone say restoration. We jump into a text of Scripture. Actually, I'm not going to jump there just yet. Do you remember the moment when you realized the world was not a perfect place? No, none of you. You're like, I'm still waiting. I was thinking about this moment I was probably six years old and I remember walking down the stairs of my house at the time. We lived in Canberra and I remember it was the first time I ever saw my own father cry. My dad was a big guy. He was a strong man. And, and I remember as a six-year-old watching my father cry and going, man, this feels weird. This feels unsafe. That was not a good good day and I think it was the next few days and week later we had moved and he did not come with us and thankfully they reconciled uh, maybe two months or so later. I, I remember a moment when we had a bunch of dogs. My dad said we'd never have dogs but if you just harass your dad long enough eventually he's like all right give him a dog. Well, we went from one dog to two dogs but well, when two dogs hang out together both male female something else happens get some puppies going on and we had one puppy then we had another one and then decided to have a couple more and we had five dogs running around that's a lot of dogs that's crazy how do you keep your house clean with five dogs you don't just want to let you know you don't it smells Anyway, um, and that was back in the day too. This was in Australia. I don't know how it was when you grew up, but we didn't walk around with doggy bags. They just poo everywhere. Five dogs, that's a lot of nonsense, isn't it? A lot of nonsense. I saw a lady a number of months ago near my house, and she decided to go Australia on me with her dog and just, just go poo and keep walking. I was like, hey. She pretended to have hearing problems. She just kept on, kept on walking. It was, anyway, I'm praying she comes to church and gets saved. How about that? <laughs> praying Jesus has mercy on her. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Maybe, um, maybe Zacchaeus grew up poor. You ever thought about Zacchaeus? I reckon Zacchaeus grew up poor. I reckon he grew up broke. I reckon it was dysfunctional. I reckon there was something about his life that, that just didn't make sense. And I wonder if he made an inner vow to himself, I will never be poor. 
You ever made an inner vow? Sometimes we make inner vows to ourselves. I'll, I'll never let another man hurt me. I'll never let another woman hurt me. I'll, I'll never trust anyone again. And actually, sometimes we make inner vows, and those inner vows become really life-shaping moments. And I think there was this inner vow in Zacchaeus where he literally goes, I'll never, ever be poor again in my life. I won't allow it. And so what lured him was the money that was attached to being a tax collector. He would see many people that were blessed and some people that were poor, but tax collectors seemed to have a lot of bling. They'd walk around with the finest shoes. They, they had the gold bracelets. They had it going on. And kind of look at them and go, man, I, I, I hear that they're bad people, but man, they got some nice bling. Maybe one day someone invites him, hey, you, you want to collect taxes? And I don't know if you understand this or not, but this is not just one of those jobs that people look down on. It is literally in that community seen as you are a traitor to your family, you are a traitor to your nation, and because Israel and the Jewish faith are so interconnected, you are not just a, a traitor to your nation, you are a traitor really to your faith. And so Zacchaeus is now and becomes a tax collector and he can take really as much money as he wants to. They were known to take too much money because you had a Roman soldier standing right next to you as you were collecting taxes. So really, even if I ask for too much, there's a Roman soldier there and if you don't give me what I need, what happens in that moment is there's a Roman soldier sitting next to you and he's gonna tell you, hey, pay him the money. So they were despised. Someone say despised. They were, they were seen as the worst of the worst. They were actually an embarrassment to their family. Like if you're a tax collector, you didn't get invited to the wedding. You didn't get invited to the party. You were one of those looked down upon people in society. But the problem was because you were affluent and because you were wealthy and because you had it going on, he wasn't just a tax collector. The Bible tells us he was a chief tax collector, so he's got lots of money. The Bible says he's very wealthy. So when you went over his house, looked good, smelt good, food was good, alcohol's flowing, the drugs are flowing, the, the party people are flowing. And so there's this whole community that hates him, but then there's this other community that's kind of like YOLO. Remember that line, YOLO? Does anyone say that anymore? Not sure. I had a couple of these. Maybe you only live once, but that was the crowd. Remember that song? Maybe you are too young for this, but I remember the song by Prince called I'm Gonna Party Like It's 1999. Why? Because we thought 2000, the world was gonna end. And then nothing happened, remember that? Y2K, everyone was going crazy over Y2K. All the Christians were like, Jesus coming back, Y2K. <laughs> Jesus coming back. Stop saying when Jesus coming back. <laughs> you don't know. If I ever tell you when Jesus coming back, you're like, ah, <laughs> pastor lost it. I just want to let you know in 10 years, 20 years from now, if I say July 17th, on my birthday, he's coming back. You're like, dang it. I'm going to find a new church. Just releasing you in Jesus' name, and those in the overflow, you can run out the quickest. Hmm. But I do imagine to myself that the parties were good. Have you found when the lights go out and friends leave and the beat stops and it's just you by yourself? 
Zacchaeus found he's empty. Zacchaeus thought it would be better. Hated feeling like a traitor. Hated feeling the shame. Hated people looking at him like he was nothing. Some people looked up to him, but most people hated him. And I remember, and I, I think to myself those times when maybe you went to bed at night and it was like emptiness started to whisper. You ever notice emptiness can whisper? You ever notice emptiness can shout? And I wonder if there was a whisper and a shout to this emptiness within Zacchaeus. But thank God he began to hear rumors of Jesus. Someone say rumors of Jesus. Come on, say rumors of Jesus. How many know there's good rumors and there's bad rumors? There's rumors that, that, that uh, I find this as a dad. My wife and I will say something to our kids and our kids will over half overhear something we said and then they completely change the narrative on what's happening all the time. This happened yesterday. We were like, hey, this is happening. And one of the other kids came in the door when we just said two words and they're like, wait, we're going to the moon? No. Like they, they, wait a minute, we're leaving our house? Rumors. But there was these amazing rumors about Jesus. Rumors that he would heal people and rumors that hope would come back and rumors that the blind would see and rumors that the addicted would be free. And there, was this, there were these beautiful rumors that began to circulate around Jesus and Zacchaeus began to hear the rumors of Jesus. I pray the good rumors of Jesus begin to echo out of this place. I pray the good rumors of Jesus, rumors of restoring marriages, rumors that, that you can be free there, rumors despite your past, you actually can have a brand new future, rumors that you used to be addicted and depressed, but now you just seem to come to a place and there was strength there. Wherever Jesus went, there were these amazing, amazing rumors. One of the things I love about Scripture that I have preached, I feel like a lot about is how Jesus renames people. Someone say, rename me. Uh, it's all throughout Scripture. You might know the exact examples. There's Abram and he goes to Abraham. There's Sarai and Sarah. There's Jacob and there's Israel. There's Gideon who's not renamed, but he's prophesied something so strongly over. God actually says to him, you are a mighty man and he's not. I love that God says those things about us when we are not. Someone say, I can be strong. Someone say, I am strong. Now, sometimes, sometimes when you say things like that, you're like, that's fake. Kind of. But if God speaks a word into your spirit and you begin to say it and you begin to receive it, how I mean, you know it's amazing that that thing starts to come true? It might take a year, might take five years, might take 10 years. Listen, just be committed to the process. How many of you are committed to the process of God changing you? How many of you are committed to the process? God is in a process-orientated business. That is the essence of discipleship. That's why we do transform groups, because it's not change in a moment, though that's salvation. It's transformation over time. 
Can I get a good amen? There is Benoni, means son of my pain, and then it becomes Benjamin. There's Simon the reed, it means. But then he becomes Peter the rock. This saw becomes Paul. This one has often interested me, James and John. You know, Jesus nicknames James and John sons of thunder, like Thor. James, and, what was it about James and John that Jesus is like, you guys are going to be the sons of thunder? Do they look like Pastor Fernando just with longer hair? I'm just saying that it might be. If you threw a little blonde wig on Pastor Fernando, you're like, okay, I see sons of thunder over there. Start showing up to church with his mallet. Why does Jesus need to change some people's names? In fact, Scripture would tell us in the New Testament and the writing of the Apostle Paul that he changes all of our names, but some people he doesn't change their names. See, when he changes our names, it means we've got to hear different, we've got to say different, we've got to think different, we have to imagine different. How many of you know the renewing of the mind is not just reading Scripture? The renewing of the mind is not just reading Scripture, it's actually imagining differently. It is seeing through the eye of faith what God wants to do in your life. But what I find interesting about Zacchaeus is Jesus doesn't change his name. When he sees Jesus, he climbs a sycamore tree. He's a short man. And the Bible says he runs. Jewish men don't run. They don't do 5K runs. They don't do city runs. They don't do Spartan races. Now, maybe if you're a warrior, but if you're a Jewish man, you walk around with a robe, just calmly, trusting. And Zacchaeus runs, and he runs with a robe up a tree. And if he's not careful, he's going to bear himself to everyone. That's why you don't do it. And he's up a tree trying to see Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, Zacchaeus. You know what his name meant? Clean and pure. In the Hebrew tongue, when I say Kieran, you wouldn't know what Kieran means, but in the Hebrew language, when you say his name, his name and the image behind his name are synonymous. So every time you would hear Kieran, maybe it means mighty, I don't know what your name means, but every single time you would say Kieran, you would hear mighty. Here's what's interesting. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he doesn't call him a thief, doesn't call him a traitor, doesn't call him a tax collector, doesn't say you betrayed your family, you betrayed your nation. He literally says to him, you are Zacchaeus. You are clean and you are pure. Hear this now. You are clean and you are pure. I guarantee that wasn't what his friends called him. I guarantee his friends were like, he's a baller, he's a pimp, he's the big G, he's, he's that guy. Have you ever noticed that sometimes your friends call you by your sin? You ever hung out with your boys and used to party together, but you're trying to change your life, and then when you hang out with them, 
They're kind of like, yeah, remember when? And it's like when they say that, it's like you are constrained by their words. What I also notice about this story of Jesus is that when, when Zacchaeus is trying to get to Jesus, there's a crowd around Jesus. And he's short, which means this, his DNA stops him getting to Jesus if he lets it. How many of you were born into a sin nature? Let me ask so the theology of our church is correct. Let me ask again. How many of you were born with a sin nature? Which means this. Who had to teach you to lie? You ever have classes lying 101, Paul Palmiter? You ever, you ever taught that to our kids? Lying 101? Selfishness 102? Have you ever taken classes on how to be a jerk 103? <laughs> ever taken classes on how to just blow people off and just, ah, I can't stand you anymore, bad attitude 105? Isn't it interesting that none of us got taught how to lie or steal or cheat or be selfish? Yeah, you know how you are with your kids. You're like, oh, they're a little angel. Except when they're around other kids. And then sometimes they're like little devils. Do you know that two-year-olds are actually the most violent of ages? Psychologically speaking, you can check it out. Jordan Peterson, he talks about it. Two-year-olds are the most violent ages. Isn't that messed up? You're two, man. How frustrated can you be? I know your mother didn't come in time and wipe your diaper and so forth. You got a little diaper rash there, but you're too trying to fight people. Crazy. No one had to teach you to lie, steal. No one had to teach you to be selfish. No one had to teach you that. No one had to teach you to have a bad attitude. Remember your parents used to always say to you all the time, get a good attitude. How many know that didn't help? You need a better attitude. I didn't know what that meant for a long time. I was like, what is an attitude? No one explained that to me. That kid has a bad attitude. I was like, what's an attitude? It's just a way of thinking. And Jesus is in the middle of a crowd. Someone say a crowd. Come on, say a crowd. Haven't you ever noticed that the people around Jesus sometimes stop you getting to Jesus? You're like, what do you mean? Have you ever been to church and you're like, I know that person's a hypocrite? If you've never been to church and said that, because some people that follow Jesus are disciples of Jesus, they're close to Jesus. They're authentically and passionately following Jesus. Others are trying to get a need met. And others are just kind of like, I'm not even sure why I'm here. Some of you today, you may not even be sure why you're here. And you're kind of like, okay, let's check out this Jesus thing. And sometimes the crowd, the people who are amongst us, might be a hindrance to you seeing Jesus. Or sometimes your perception of a preacher might be your hindrance to seeing Jesus. But I pray you'd be like Zacchaeus, who literally says, forget the crowd for a moment. If Jesus is real, let me do whatever it takes to climb up a tree. 
not expose myself, but see Jesus. Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? They will be what? Zacchaeus is a great example of someone who was tired and sick and tired of his own lifestyle and he's willing to do anything to get to Jesus. You know, I've heard silly things around the faith over the years. I've heard people say Christianity is a white man religion. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing ever. God created every skin color. We believe lies sometimes about the faith. How many know when you get to heaven, you're not going to care what skin color you are. You're going to look at your body and go, oh, <laughs> it's glorified. There's no creaks. There's no cracks. There's no pulled tendons, pulled ligaments, pulled joints. There's not getting up in the bed in the morning, out of bed in the morning, and just touching your feet on it. Why are my feet sore? I just rested for eight hours. I'm not sure. It's just the way it is. Have you ever stood up before and just stood up and your back hurt? You're like, oh my gosh, I just stood up. It's not that hard to stand up, but your back just hurt. How many of you know, like, keep yourself healthy and strong, but how many of you know your body is going to be way better in heaven? Like, all of us are going to be out of dunk in heaven. No matter how high the ring, I'm backward dunking on some people, Kieran. Someone say blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is Zacchaeus. He is a traitor to his country, a traitor to his faith. He is a traitor to his family. He is actually the kind of man that none of us think deserves a seat at church. And the Bible says the crowd muttered about him. And Jesus spoke about him and said this, he's the reason I came. Why does the Bible use these extreme examples of people that came to Christ so that the people who are the farthest didn't have an excuse? So the people who were parting the most or did the most disgusting things, that they would have no excuse of why they can't be in the house of God. I want to tell you very clearly, our church stands for righteousness. But let me tell you, I pray and I hope that those who even hate our standards come to Jesus. I pray and I hope that the people who hate our standards come to Christ. Zacchaeus means clean and pure. Jesus says this in Luke 19, verse 5. Zacchaeus came down immediately. Come down immediately. I must stay. Someone say, I must stay. I must stay at your house. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Why is this scripture here? Is it because God hates people with money? No, his whole lifestyle though had been about money. He thought if I could just get money, I'll be happy. And he cheated for money and he lied for money and he was dishonest for money and he became a traitor to money. And here's the deal, he literally sold his soul for money. So when Jesus comes into his life and says, Zacchaeus, 
clean, pure. That's what his mother named him. Clean, pure. That's what his dad named him. Clean, pure. They had a vision for his life that was clean and pure and he got lured by the world and lured away to selling his soul. But then what's cool is he sells his soul again. Not to the wrong things, to the right things. I've met people who sold their soul to the devil but later sold their soul to Christ. And this is the essence of Zacchaeus. He literally sold his soul for money, mammon, the spirit behind it. He became a traitor to his family and his faith. But Jesus looks at him and says, clean and pure. And in that one moment, he receives it. And then the presence of God starts walking into a house, which used to be the party house, used to be the drug addiction house used to be the prostitute house, used to be the pimp house, used to be the gambling house, used to be the foul and evil house. And it's not because Jesus says there's nothing wrong with those things. No, 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 there is. He says now, clean and pure. This is our faith. This is our faith. This is our faith. There is a gap between God and man, and Jesus is that bridge. He is the door. He is the road. He, and it is not just a matter of salvation, but it's the discipleship journey to continuation. Because how many know that you get clean and pure in moments, but how many know that there's still temptation all over the place? How many of you maybe got baptized six months ago, a year ago, temptation didn't stop? Zacchaeus though, breaks the power. This is so important that we realize in our life, he breaks the power of money, mammon. Whatever idol was holding him back, he breaks it in a moment, why? By changing, by literally saying, Lord, I'm breaking it off. Maybe the thing you, that you need to break off is your belief in Christ is, is, is true. You've been baptized. You're trying, you're struggling, but you haven't broken it off yet. Look at your phone, look at your internet. Shut some of that stuff down. You're like, I, I, maybe you don't need internet. Maybe some of you don't need a flip phone. I mean, you need a flip phone, not an iPhone. Because if your phone is a smartphone, it'd help you. But for some of you, it's not a smartphone. Some of you, it's ruining your life because it's holding you in addictions. It's tantalizing you. It's luring you. It can be the greatest place of education or it could be the place of destruction. And he and does something radical. Find some people that I cheated and I'm going to give them four times. How many know that's repentance? When you take the money, when you take the business, you're like, I used to be a player, but you know what? I'm going to go. We had a guy in our church who went and literally apologized to a bunch of different women that he felt like he used over the years once he became a Christian. We have other people in our church. They had businesses that were giving them money. They shut down the business because it was marketing the wrong thing. 
We have people in our church, and I was so encouraged on this by at our men's prayer on Tuesday morning. A man shared part of his story. He said, the reason I'm here is because my wife and I were not getting on it well, and she began to come to church, and she began to treat me different. She started to treat me better. She started having a smile on her face and, and loving me and so forth. And then so I started treating her better. What's that? It's repentance. Repentance is just changing your mind. Someone say, help me. Change my mind. Listen to what Scripture says. Isaiah 61 verse 10. I am overwhelmed with joy. This is Zacchaeus. In the Lord my God. For He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. And He has draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a groom dressed for His wedding. Or a bride with her jewels. This is our faith. Someone say, this is our faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, someone say in Christ. In Christ, not just in church, not just in religion, but in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. That's your spirit. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Why do I pray that our groups and our church grow? Because it's not just a place of salvation. We are a discipleship church. We are a transformation church. Our mission is to help people live free in Christ and transform their world. If, I'm, if, I'm, if you hear me preaching from 30 years from now, I'll tell you, don't just sit in a crowd get in a group because that's the place of transformation verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them some of you need to get that God is not trying to count your sins against you he's trying to forgive you and wash you and cleanse you and declare you clean and pure like Zacchaeus verse 20 we are therefore, if you're a Christian, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. Every time you serve in this church, every time you're friendly to someone in this church, every time you serve in a production team and kids team, every time you're just loving to your wife and loving to your family, every time you're in business and doing it ethically and morally and, and actually living a life that's, worthy of the name Christian. How many know you are reconciling the Word and the world to Christ? Every time I speak, I hope I'm reconciling the world to Christ. That's our job. Zacchaeus, dirty, unclean, disconnected from God, becomes clean and pure in a moment. And then he becomes a minister of reconciliation. How many received that word today? Come on, close your eyes all across this place. Oh, Father, I thank you for every man. I thank you for every woman in this room. I thank you for every family represented, every generation represented. God, life can seem complicated sometimes, but I pray that we would push away the noise and the crowd and help us see you. But help us not just see you, help us become like Zacchaeus, ministers of change, ministers of blessing. 
God, help us represent you better. Lord, we never do it perfectly, but help us do it sincerely. I pray for every man and woman in here. I pray, Lord God, that wherever they are upon the journey of life, that they would take those steps closer. I pray that excuses from the crowd sometimes, excuses from Christians who've had bad attitudes, bad examples in their lives, that they became the excuse to stop them getting to Jesus. I pray for everyone online today that sometimes numerous different things stop us from getting to Christ. But God, help us hunger and thirst for you. Help us climb any tree so that we can see you and be changed by your presence. Presence of God, I pray that you would come now. And I pray that you would draw people that don't know you and heal people that are just hurt by life. I pray for their formation that you would strengthen them. I pray for the anointing of God that would touch their mind and touch their heart in a powerful way. I pray, Lord God, that as we leave this place, it wouldn't just be walk in and walk out. Father, but I pray that there would be a softening of heart to see you, to know you, to serve people, to love people. Help us see again, Lord, with eyes of grace. Help us see again with eyes of love. Thank you for it. Jesus, I thank you for it. Eyes closed all across this place. Maybe you're like Zacchaeus. You've been living that life that is disconnected from God. And perhaps you feel empty. Perhaps you feel shameful. Perhaps you feel like people have betrayed you. People have hurt you. Push away the crowd for a moment by faith. See the light. See Jesus. See the Son of God who came to take away your sin. Don't worry about other people's sin. It's easy to point to others. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see where you're empty, where you're dry, where you need forgiveness. Oh, Holy Spirit, in these moments, I pray that you would breathe life into them. Help people see Jesus in this place right now. May clean and pure be what is imparted to their soul. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. There's none too far that you cannot rescue them. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask our whole church as a family to do that. Those in the overflow, those online from the front to the back. We're going to pray a simple prayer. That prayer does two things especially. Number one, you may have never met Christ. You may be disconnected like Zacchaeus, living a party life. And I just want to tell you, He loves you. He died for you. But it would be the greatest mistake you've ever made to reject Him and ignore Him. But secondly, those of you perhaps have an authentic faith, but you've allowed the lurings and trappings of this life, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe as a young child, young boy, young girl, you had an authentic faith, but you could say confidently, you don't live for God, you don't follow God. Those two sorts of people, one, salvation, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life, I need His forgiveness, I need His grace. Two, I need to come home, I've been far. By His grace, I need to come back. Can we pray that as a church family? Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me so much that you didn't give up on me.
thank you for living a perfect life, for dying on a cross, for being rejected so that I would be accepted, dying that I might live. I believe you are the Son of God and God the Son. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you have a plan for my life. And I ask you, make me clean, make me pure. By your Spirit, cleanse my mind, my heart, my spirit. In Jesus' name, in attitude of prayer, while eyes are closed all across this place, those online, those in the overflow, those in this auditorium today, if you meant business with God for salvation to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life for the first time, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high all across this place. You're saying yes to Christ. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. Hands going up. That's awesome today. Maybe you're in that other crowd. You're in that other person. You felt like you had an authentic faith years ago, but you know you've run from God. You got trapped. You got lured. You, whatever it is, you're away and you want to come back to God. Would you raise your hand all across this place? Would you say, yeah, Jesus, I'm coming back to you today from this day on. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Hands going up all over. Those online. Those in the overflow. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand down. Now in an attitude of prayer, but just faith and declaration, why don't we say this faith statement with me? Say, Jesus, thank you. You are the light of the world. You are the Son of God. I ask you to fill me with your spirit, with your love, with your life. Shine your light in areas of my heart where I need it. Strengthen my life, my family, my generation. Use us for your purpose. Plant me in your house in the name of Jesus. And a church alive said, come on, can we give God a hand all across this place? Oh, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you.